Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Jimmy Conrad alongside our resident number nine, Charlie Davies, who once scored as many goals in his national team career as Jesus Ferrer had in his last game. And our resident left back, and Jonathan Bornstein's number one fan, Heath Pierce. And we're here to preview the last of four games for the U.S. men's national team in this June window as the U.S. men's national team head to Central America to take on El Salvador. But before we do, it's time to announce another winner of our $100 Paramount Plus gift card extravaganza. And don't worry if you didn't win. We're giving away another one today. And this time it's B-Dob 19. So come on down, Brandon Dob. You've just won access to one of the biggest catalogs of on-demand content in the World Champions League, Europa League, NWSL, Serie A, CONCACAF World Cup qualifiers, the NFL movies, series, South Park. It's all happening on P+. So if you want to be eligible to win the next one, be a resident of the U.S. That's going to help. Follow ISWT Pod on the Twitter and leave P plus as a comment. Or you can follow ISWT Pod on Twitter and leave your Twitter handle and P plus in the comment section here. You decide. We'll announce the winner in our recap of the U.S. men's national team versus El Salvador game tomorrow night. And I whipped through that, everybody. So, Heath, I'm coming to you first. We're on the cusp of not only being undefeated over these four games, but also in not giving up one goal. So what do you want to see from this El Salvador game? Just your overall thoughts about what we're about to walk into. Well, Jimmy, I'll make this part uh, quick because I was having a little reflection over the weekend uh, while I had a nice little uh, adult beverage in my hand. And I realized that maybe I was being a little too critical of the matches and who they had to play, knowing that if we were in that situation, you would just be playing them as a match. Right. I remember 2010 we played against, I believe it was El Salvador uh, in Florida. And I remember this being the moment I've, I've said this to share this on the show before in the 60 something minute. Somebody was coming in for me, and I ended up whipping a good ball in. Brian Ching finishes mm-hmm, it, and mm-hmm, Bob mm-hmm. let me play out the game, which I think got me to that Holland game, which got me that final cap, which ultimately didn't get me anywhere in the end. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, uh, you know, there is still something to play for, even though us as fans or analysts want to be able to see them against an opponent that's more World Cup related. There are some things you can get out of this match, and if you're a player going into this game, you know that you really do have something to show. So I want to see a performance from mostly a lot of these bubble players. You said it before that, that Greg Berhalter was saying, Haji Wright, um, Ethan Horvath. Now, whether or not that's enough to, to make a difference, I want to see some of those complications to where it's going to have to be some tough decisions when Greg announces that, uh, that roster in the end. Okay. Now, Charlie, after finishing seventh in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, 
El Salvador has competed in two friendlies and two CONCACAF Nations League matches since then. They lost at home to Guatemala 4-0. Now, I don't think they're full strength when they lost 4-0. And then they bounced back with a 3-2 comeback win against Panama. They were down 2-0 and came back and scored three. Now, in the CONCACAF Nations League, they played Granada twice. They won 3-1 at home and drew 2-2 away from home. Now, we just saw what this Granada team's all about. Not a lot. They just gave up, what, three goals over two games to this Granada team. So I think that bodes well for our team to at least get some opportunities going forward. That said, though, I kind of want to throw all that out the window, Charlie, because when we played against El Salvador twice in World Cup qualifying, it was 0-0 in El Salvador, which is where they're going to be playing this game tomorrow night, and 1-0 in that frigid, this is where Matt Turner got his foot frozen and had to sit out for a month uh, game where we only won 1-0 on a goal by Anthony Robinson. So all things considered, we struggle against El Salvador, and especially in breaking them down. Well, I think you remember Hugo Perez coming on this podcast. I and do saying, remember. Hey, I, I know how to how to play against this U.S. men's national team. I I grew I basically groomed a number of these players in in the youth system. He thinks he understands how to defend against the U.S. and to make it difficult, which he has. I mean, he's been successful. I, I think a point out of two games, and also the second game was was relatively close. You take that. I think for Greg Berhalter's perspective, it's we're going down there. They're going to treat this like a, like it's a, a World Cup, and we have to try and have progress. We need to sc- score and generate goals. Now, El Salvador is not the most attacking-minded team. They're not the most threatening, but they, they do still have some players that can break you down. I think as a collective, this team needs to figure out ways to score goals like they did against Grenada. If they can do that, on the road, we're, we're going to see a, a, a better-looking U.S. men's national team with more hope, which they should have at this point. Okay, so I want to throw out there, too, with regard to El Salvador, that no Alex Roldan is being involved in this. He has 15 appearances since making the switch from the U.S. to El Salvador, and he has been a team captain before. However, he was left off conspicuously from El Salvador's roster for these upcoming CONCACAF Nations League matches Ugo Perez, as you mentioned, a friend of the show, came on, was a great guest for us. Make sure you go back and listen to that if you want some more context for this game in particular. He said this about Alex Roldan. To close this chapter, I want to say that Roldan is not coming back because he's not happy with what happened before the game against Canada. Now, that incident happened back in February when El Salvador players released a statement saying they intended not to play that World Cup qualifier due to a dispute over bonuses. Although eventually they relented, some hard feelings, I guess, apparently have persisted. And so... This is Ugo Perez continuing. He prefers to take some more time to digest that, but that is the reason there's no other why Alex Rodon is not coming in. Those are things that don't have to happen, but they did. We can't do anything anymore. We have to turn the page and move on. I don't know if Alex Rodon will ever be going back to El Salvador, given the kind of the strength of the message he's trying to send. But that does hurt this El Salvador team, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to adjust. Now, they have plenty of players. Uh, Darwin Seren from the Houston Dynamo, most notably with most caps in the team. He'll be probably playing in this one so they'll be tough to break down Heath as always I remember that first game of World Cup qualifying we struggled to break down El Salvador now there's obviously more at stake in World Cup qualifying than there is in the Nations League but this is a good exercise once again for us to try to break down a team that sits in a low block we saw Brendan Aronson who I actually remember struggling in that first game do you think he'll get another chance to potentially start this one and maybe showcase how much he's grown 
since what seven or eight months ago, which we could argue he has tremendously. Yeah, I, I think we, we continue to know that like center back nine, this, these are the issues, right? Midfield, I feel like we're safe. We've got options. But for a game like this, where you're, again, going to face an opponent that's going to sit in a low block, who I assume Iran will sit in a low block. I don't think necessarily, uh, I don't think Wales will sit in a low block, maybe, depending on the circumstance. England definitely won't. But it's a chance to now connect your midfield to your attacking line and try to have a little bit more fluidity. You, The, the three of us know. How annoying pattern play can be in training, right? When you sit, you stand behind this mannequin, then you move, you move to the next one. But when you see those come to life in terms of how to play against certain teams, where you go in, out, out the other side, where those quick change of plays and movements. Now, Haji Wright, he's a, he's a target striker. Whether he has the ability to make some of those little tiny darting diagonal runs behind a back line that's deep and create some of that space. Those are the things I want to see. With risk, right? I don't want to. I, I, it's not so much about individual moments of brilliance because I think we do have players that can do that. For me, it's about that combination play—the sharpness and a one-two and a wall pass and in and out of spaces. We saw that. I, don't, I can't remember what game it was, but it was. I think Serginho Destin and Weston McKinney had had that combination play, or maybe it was Team Awaya, uh, where they were just getting in and around one-twos, feeding it, getting it back, those types of things. I think the U.S. national team has the quality in a way that I don't think we've had before, to be comfortable in those spaces and taking those risks. I would love to see that in these games, as opposed to sitting against a low block. We love a team away because he gets to the touchline, he makes the game predictable, gets us corner kicks, whips the ball, and we try to get it there. I want to see a little bit more combination play. That's like my main goal to get out of this is, I don't care who's on the field, well, I do, but I just want to see us taking risks in the right spots to try to create something as opposed to just being possession-based for the sake of possession. Okay, so Charlie, I'm going to get a question to you and then we can start to break down like the starting lineups that we want to see. But this one's from Caveman. He wrote back on the, on the last show. Do you believe that this last game against El Salvador is for us to get a clear idea of the best 11 with maybe a few exceptions, like a number nine, or is it okay to be experimenting not only in this game, but in the final two friendlies that we have in September as well? I mean, and this is something we've been talking about throughout these June games is do you work on the rapport and building the relationships and strengthening those relationships, as Heath is mentioning, with co you know combination play? is only going to work well if you pl have players that, that are seeing the same things and are working through those types of combinations, um, obviously mentally before the game and then obviously at training and then mm -hmm. now having it play out? Or do we want to continue to tinker? Because there is a shout. If we're going to sit in a low block, why can't we get Aronson and Luca De La Torre on the field at the same time? Why not look at that? I think it's a great question. In my opinion, he, this is not going to be what we're expected to see come C Qatar in the World Cup because Ethan Horvath is starting. We know he's not the star right now. We know he's not the number one. It's right. Turner and Stefan, and they're clearly above uh, the, that next group of keepers. And Haji Wright is a big question mark. We don't know what his ceiling is. We don't know how he fits in with this team yet. We know he has a good relationship with all these players because he's grown up playing with them on the youth national team. So – I still think, you know, there are certain players we know who's playing and we know that they have a relationship. Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams. And we, I think we could all say now that Timothy Weah is going to be a starter in this World Cup. I, I, I feel pretty confident about that unless things go hor hor horrifically wrong at <laughs> Lille uh, for the next six months. But I think as far as the attacking play, we're probably going to – and Yunus Musa, uh, I think – those three in the midfield are solidified, Christian Pulisic and Timothy Weah. Now, we don't know where Gio Reyna is going to fit. I think if he has a super strong start to the Bundesliga and is really playing at his best come come Qatar, I, I don't see him being left out of the starting 11. I really don't. I, 
So again, but that's the X factor, right? I feel like that's yeah. the X factor of this whole conversation. We can, we can all, all of us, any, any pundits out there can sit and speculate, but if somebody goes on this crazy run of form leading up to the world cup, you have to play him, right? Especially in number nine, if they're hitting the back of the net, but we have Jordan P Falk. I'm just going to throw him into the conversation mm-hmm. because he won the golden boot of a European league. Okay. It's not one of the top five European leagues, but that's pretty significant for an American to go to European but, league and be the golden ha- boot winner. I, I, I understand that, but we know his limitations. Mm-hmm. And if the U S are not going to play a certain way that would get the best out of a player with his quality, then, then it's useless. Right. He, he right. can't run into the channels. He doesn't have that pace. He's not good with the ball at his feet in terms of, creating space and in and, and common possession. He is a prototypical target striker, get in the box, finish crosses. And, and occasionally you could play off of him with, with uh, his back to goal, but still he, he's one dimensional. And I think we've seen Greg Berhalter say, Hey, we gave him a shot to see how he fits. He didn't take his opportunities, although he did score in the nation's league semifinal, but it's, it's very limited in, in the terms of how you can play with him. Now, if we have a striker who can do a lot more, and I think defensive too, not great with his defensive pressure, and and that's big for Greg Barlow. You got to work on both sides of the ball. Go ahead, Heath. I, yeah, I, I just wanted to jump in and, and and talk about just like the striker options for a moment. I know that we're talking about with regard to El Salvador, but when you think about the fact that we've got a striker that was just relegated uh, from the Premier League and Josh Sargent, mm-hmm. we've got the guy who was top scorer uh, in scored in the Champions League was the top scorer in Switzerland. We've got a guy who's scoring a bunch of goals in in the Turkish league, and we've got Ricardo Pepe who had who was on a tear. We've got uh, Jesus Ferreira who's who's in the best form of all of them right now. That's a pretty I, I don't want to say it's a good problem to have because not, none of them outside of Ferreira have really stepped up into the challenge. But that's a pretty good depth pool of of strikers that we are not satisfied. And the point I'm trying to get to is we are now moving towards a system based national team and not an eleven players on the field find a way to get results type of thing. Mm-hmm. We now have enough quality and diversity within our team that we will, for the next years, have some tough decisions and some tough conversations about players that are so damn good that they would be starting on probably Champions League clubs that don't start on our national team because they probably don't make sense. Now, that started with Sergio Dest of saying, where does he fit into the national team? But now that's going to continue across the board. So I think Charlie makes some good points about the dynamic or style of play or system of play that these these players have to be in, as opposed to former generations, which was like, we got a player playing in the Premier League, he's going to play on the national team. Mm-hmm. And now it's a little bit of a different conversation. Okay, so let's talk then. We know that Ethan Horvath is most likely going to start. Haji Wright's going to be starting the nine. We, you know, I'll go with center backs first. We've seen pretty much every combination of these center backs. I feel like Cameron Carter-Vickers has played with Aaron Long. He's played with Walker Zimmerman. He hasn't played with Eric Palmer Brown yet. But... <laughs> He had a hamstring issue. He had a hamstring issue. That's right. Eric Palmer Brown had it. So I don't know if we're going to see him. I'd love to see him. But then I I get the sense it might be Palmer Brown, Aaron Long. But that means four consecutive starts for Aaron Long. I don't know if you want to get – not that I wouldn't mind seeing it, but it just seems like Greg Berhalter wants to have either Long or Zimmerman on the field at all times, and then the other guys get a chance to partner with them. So maybe we get an Aaron Long, Eric Palmer Brown, or Zimmerman, Eric Palmer Brown, but Carter Vickers, Palmer Brown would be interesting as well. I want to see Eric. Hopefully he's okay and he'll get over that hamstring injury because I think the September windows are going to be a little bit different. I don't think we're going to be tinkering. I think we're going to start to fine-tune and and uh, make sure we're calling in our, our top, top guys at that point and giving them the minutes because those are the last two games for the World Cup starts. It makes a lot of sense. On the left side, I mean, do you want to see a George Bello here? Do we want to see more Anthony Robinson? 
Is Joe Scally going to get another run out here on either side? I, I'm kind of curious what you guys think. I would say Bellow and Bellow and Scally would be what I want to see because okay, I, I just again go back going anecdotally back to my own experience. I remember these games being really hard, even when they weren't qualifiers. I remember playing in a game in Panama. I remember my actually it was a qualifier, but against Guatemala, where Loco Rodriguez ran me to the corner flag for 45 minutes, and I learned I learned a lot uh, in in that game because he just cheated, sat on the half line, got a counterattack, and ran me to the corner flag. And I remember learning a lot about just the difference of of opponents styles of play playing in different places and it was a massive challenge for me and i think i'd like to see scally get that against a different type of opponent to see how he he, he rises and see how see how you play the game right taking what the game gives you down there you're going to know that okay can i cheat up in these moments can i sit back so bellow and scally i think we'll see aaron long uh for sure i think he four, is four games I, in a row i think he's the clear number two for greg and greg sees him as a trusted person that you can now you put him on and you test somebody next to him, not necessarily to be the number two, because somebody could take the number two spot, but you're not going to have uh, Walker or Aaron Long off the field in terms of experience, I, I, in terms of I would leader. go. I, I think he's going to go Zimmerman and Cameron Carter Vickers. That's that's who I would like to see from the start, because if you know your CC, your CB one is Zimmerman, then why not? Let's see how he paired up with Cameron Carter Vickers on the road in El Salvador. Yeah, right, in a difficult right. situation. You've seen what Aaron Long has can do. I think you're pretty confident in his ability. So why not? Let's see more of Cameron Carter Vickers because we really haven't seen him that much. Um, and in terms of the midfield, I think he's going to go this time Musa Adams and Luca Della Torre. Interesting. I, I, I think – because you got some, you got yeah. some insider information. Some inside, I feel like he, he has no. a real confident shout and very different. That was, I was, like no. it. I like he's yeah. looking at his notes. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I jot down. I'm just thinking, you know, Weston, you got him some game time. You got you got some valuable minutes in this camp, but you want him to go back to Juve healthy. And yeah. you know, I, I think there's no need to play him in this in this game. Let's see what Luca Del Torre. I liked what I've seen from him uh, in in qualifying and as well as these these games. So. I'd like to see what he looks like with Musa Adams, um, and then you know whether it's Christian Pulisic on the left, the the left Haji right, and and Timo Weah on the right, or they could they could also put Aronson in, in for Weah. You know, you never know, because this is a, if there is a game where you can tinker, this I, this would be it. I'm curious, Jimmy, your thoughts of now that we're saying this. I thought Paul Ariola was very good last game and is a situation based uh, player with good experience. But when you think about Gio Reyna coming back. Brendan Aronson uh, playing there, Timo Weah. Where does Paul Areola fit into a depth chart? Unless he can play on the left side, which I don't think he he's 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 necessarily great on the left side. He has to have a little more versatility than that to to, to be in this roster. And so I was thinking about it for this game. I would love to see Areola on the on the right side because again, Timo Weah is not one that I, I'm curious about. Like I I know what he's going to bring to the table in a game against El Salvador. Uh, I know what Christian Pulisic is going to bring in, in, in on the table, and I feel like it's a chance to maybe put out a different type of lineup to test guys. But the, the, no, I, I kind of stuck again between two minds of what you're trying to have this game. Yeah, I honestly uh, I agree that Weston McKinney shouldn't play this one. Um, you can keep him around the group, but I think sending him back to Juventus uh, at, at good health is, is really important. That's a good point by Charlie. I, I still would love to see a De La Torre, Aronson, Adams midfield just because they are going to sit in a low block because there's some contrast there. We, we know that De La Torre likes to, not that he can't break the lines with his running, but he, he you know, picks his spots, finds that space between the lines. Good transition player for us, especially from So, from, so, so wouldn't back. you want to see Musa and De La Torre who can both dribble I, I, and, and No, I get pressure? it. No, Come no, on, I, would, man, I would like to see that too, but, but 
Charlie does like not like Brendan Aronson, he by doesn't. the way. He really does. <laughs> guys, he's gone I, to the Premier League, and he's just going I, like he, there's just no room in, in in any in any lineup. There's no room for for Brendan Aronson for Charlie, dude. Like no matter who we're playing against, there's just not space for him. Did I? I, I, I think Aronson's better. I like that, right. but you said potentially. I like know, Aronson like... better centrally. <laughs> Whether he he starts on the right and drifts inside, that's something different. But then you have to have your outside back really bombing forward. So I'm curious to see if Scally gets to start here or. If we've got everything we know, need to know about Scally. Would you try Aronson on the left side to come inside on his right? Into Potentially, if you wanted to rest Christian and you wanted to kind of do the same thing you're doing with Weston and make sure he goes back to his club as fully fit as possible. We I, know just, yeah, I don't think you need these things out of these two guys. Long years, long seasons. You want to I agree. Like That's not a bad shout. That's not a bad shout. I think that uh, you could potentially put I, I, Ariola to answer your question, Heath, I thought was solid. What I really do like about his game is a bit of an intangible. Is the guy runs with purpose. Sometimes when you play with players, they run it maybe at times we'll run it like 70, 80 percent because they don't know if that guy will really get the ball there to him. And like, ah, I got some defensive responsibilities. Do I really want to commit all that energy? We're seeing less of that as time goes on. But but I really like his commitment to go forward and just try to do stuff. He just tries things that doesn't always work out, but that's how it goes. So I do think he's on the roster. I think he's a there's something about his game that I like. And if the rosters do get expanded to 26, I think there'll be a spot for Paul Ariola. I don't know, though. If he starts this particular game, which is a bit of a shame because Granada, as many people have mentioned, it's, it's hard measuring stick given how poor they are in a lot of different areas of their own team. I thought they were stout defensively and and put in the work until we scored. And then there was just there was uh, it was over after that. But I would say um, it's going to be an interesting game to see the types of combinations and and to what you were saying before, Heath how the players are looking for each other in different areas of the field, knowing that El Salvador is going to be a little bit of a stiffer test. What about Tillman? Anybody want Tillman in this one? Like he, he no, does Tillman have almost the... falls into the Scally category. Like, okay, I feel like I got enough. Now we probably need more sample size, but I feel like I've seen enough where maybe this is just coming too quickly. And that 2026 is going to be the destination. I don't know if you agree with that, Charlie. I, I agree with, I agree with you. Um, you know, it's not that we've seen a, a ton of Tillman, but, we got the general sense of the type of player he is. Mm-hmm. And well, what I about if his what about if his club form kicks in? Because he's never played consistently at yeah, the top level. Do you think level. he's going to play at Bayern Munich? No, but you know we got a summer coming <laughs> yeah. up. Like he's not going <laughs> to play there. But he could he could end up at a at, at a club where he gets twenty games and you see a little bit of uh you know another because you can see some things. It just looks a little bit green, a little raw. Yeah, I, I I think there's potential, no doubt. But I think it's a it's a player for the future and not necessarily someone who's going to come in right now may be a game changer in the world cup okay let me let me jot that down real quick okay, charlie yeah. doesn't like tillman okay. <laughs> uh, okay so here's here's a bigger question for us then because the ifab just came out and approved five subs mm-hmm. and and 26 man rosters uh, effective july 1st in 2022 so that's a really really big deal in a lot of different ways from what I understand, you still only have three moments to have substitutions, mm-hmm. but you can have five subs within those three moments. And so I now with that expanded roster, who do you think, and Charlie, I'll come to you first, who do you think benefits the most from us having three more spots? When we interviewed Greg Berhalter, we had him. Remember, he came on and talked, and I, mm-hmm. I mentioned three players. You know, I said all Robbie Finley and, and uh, Hercules Gomez and um, Edson Buttle. And he mentioned, hey, Jimmy, those are all attackers. We kind of leave some spots open for that. But he said, I'd probably add one player per line. Yeah, that's what he, that's what Greg Barhalter said during the interview. So if you could add one player per line with this expanded roster, who do you think those three players are? 
outside of what you already had kind of down for your 23. I mean, who do you right. think kind of extends to? I mean, Paul yeah. Ariola might be it. He might be that guy for you. That that's that extended one on the attacking line. Well, but maybe maybe it's a hot right. Just, yeah, Carter Pepe. I, think, I don't know. I, I think if you're just looking at the utility player in terms of never probably not going to touch the ever start touch the starting 11 but can be brought in for for various situations um Kellen Acosta, Kellen Kellen Acosta, Acosta. Okay. is a big one Paul Ariola um Jordan Morris I think I think I he think played himself too, I think, off I think he yeah, played right now off. I think he played himself off as well which is sad. I love Sebastian, Sebastian Legette no, I think he's he's too far off it in terms of the depth. Can I give you a, an outside outside shot here? How about Eric Williamson, who actually was featuring for us during the Gold Cup and doing well? But we could argue if if full health, he's he's just as good as Kellen Acosta. Uh, yeah, yeah, Leonard Cannon, a hundred percent full health. But the problem is he's playing catch up. Still, I, because, he is 100%. You know, and he hasn't, we haven't seen him in months, a year. You know, it yeah. takes another six months, and then, and you still got to, you're, you're going up against players who have been fit for yeah, a year yeah, or yeah. two years. I'm and, just throwing so, that out there. We Eric, had we Eric, Eric Palmer Brown, considering you've got some versatility there, you're starting to get deeper in the, in, into those rosters. You're going to be looking at players that can, or like, Cameron Carter Vickers at the, with, the, with the same breath. So, a center back in that, in that pool, you have Zimmerman and Long. Long's going. That, that's not a, a debate. Long is going, so then yeah, whether at, whether Aaron, anybody likes it or not, Aaron Long right. will be. Yeah, he's on going. The so <laughs> it's it's Eric Palmer Brown, Cameron Carter Vickers, and John Brooks, perhaps. I mean that that's. But I wouldn't say yeah. he is completely out. It depends what this next these next six months look like. Uh, you also look at players who are who are on the fringes. A Josh Sargent, if he gets a gets a move or gets going and gets in a good run of form at uh, Daryl DK, if he gets so, going. Yeah. So, so then do you, do you just say yeah. as a, as a coaching staff that, Hey, I've got a, I've got my 23. Now let's leave these three spots to whoever's the hot hand. Cause we're seeing Mihailovic, uh, Senora, Ledesma, Mendez, like these, these guys, Williamson would be mm-hmm. thrown in there too. Really on the outside, outside looking in, but Haji Wright was on the outside, outside looking in. He goes on a great run in Turkey. And now all of a sudden he's in the conversation in a really meaningful way. And I wonder if Greg and his staff open it up to that. Uh, uh, Heath, I'll come to you on, on your thoughts on what you would do if you were the coaching staff with regard to these three extra spots. Yeah, I think those three extra spots are definitely form-based because you've been building a 23-man roster for a while where your probable final three are form-based anyway. Like they're, they're, I, I think that's a really tough decision. It's a this or that in the end of players that you probably weren't going to feature and you leave those open to the hot hand. I know we always go back to the 2010 cycle that we are all, all part of. And th- you had a few players emerge, right? Your Haji Wright's come a little bit early, but he continues that form. Maybe he's played himself in to a circumstance where, you know, a coach gets a gut feeling in the 90th minute of like, hey, I need this guy or 80th minute. I need somebody, you know, the game is giving me this. And this is a very specific situation for this type of player. I think about it in in, in that sense, but it gives you one more player in every line, which might be, you know, again, uh, a little bit different of a conversation because now you you've if if you're looking at the midfield you are looking at the idea that uh, you can bring a Musa a De La Torre and a Kellen Acosta to sit behind your 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 other two um, or have one of them actually be a starter with your other two being being um, Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams same thing in your back line you're probably bringing another center back that can give you a little versatility I don't think you're bringing a third right back or left back if Joe Scally was more advanced maybe you can have that. Uh, but for the most part, 
you're going 2-2, and then now you've got the ability to have four center backs on your roster. That now allows you to look at your front three, and now that's where you talk about your areola has the potential to be in. I don't think we have any coverage on the left, if you really think about it, for for Christian Pulisic, who has injury issues, goes down. Who's going to go on the left and provide us with some sort of service or something serviceable in a World Cup? I think that's an issue where I'm worried about the depth there. That's not a like-for-like replacement. But that's when, you again, you have Ariola, you have Timo Weah, you have Brendan Aronson. They could all fit into that front front line. And then it's going to be Ricardo. It's going to be Ferreira is going to the World Cup if he's healthy and scoring goals. You've got, and then you've got, again, uh, PFOC, Pepe, uh, Sargent, and a number of those that, you know, strike a luck, run a form, you might have a stacked front line of players that give us something in circumstances. I wish DeMarcus Beasley was still playing. He could be in his, like, 17th World Cup because we need, like, a chef, a shifty, like, left-footed attacking player, in my humble opinion. Not that De La Torre, you know, he's a little bit more central and, and plays in midfield, but that would be a nice add to this. If I could add any player from, from a previous generation to join this group, I think a DeMarcus Beasley. But, he, but I like he, Robinson. I, I like a right-footed player on that side in the way that we play because Robinson gives us the width and the height. I get it. Cheats forward all, all the damn time. Yeah, that's I hope true. doesn't punish us. But, but you know, uh, another player that could drive inside. That's why I think about Brendan Aronson. Could he be the one on that side? Because he's pretty shifty at driving inside with the ball, but seems to prefer coming from the right side in the pockets. But yeah. All right, let's go back to El Salvador then. So Charlie, rip through your starting 11 and then what you think the final score is going to be in this game. And then Heath, you be prepared. You're coming up next and then I'll go after that. I'm going to go uh, either Hor- Horvath and goal, Anthony okay. Robinson, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Zimmerman, uh, right back is Yedlin, Tyler Adams, Musa, Luka De, De La Torre, Pulisic, Right and Wea. Okay. okay, that's a, that's a what's score. What's your score? <clears throat> two zero. Two nil. Two nil. Nice. There you go. Four, Charlie. four consecutive clean sheets for these guys. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Heath? What do you say? Uh, I'm gonna go with Bello left back. Um, I'm gonna go with just because I don't think we have a like. It could be. It could be. We could have Dest fill in for that, but I don't think. That would be a great situation. I think we should have a traditional left back there and put Dest where he's best. Uh, so I'm going to say Bellow just for another look. I'm going to go with Long and uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers. And then right back, I'm going to go Joe Scally for 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 another look there, knowing that it could be, I don't know, a year before he gets another look in, in the team. And then midfield three, I'm going to go Brendan Aronson on the top of that. Um, although I am talking myself into Brendan Aronson being somewhere in the top line, maybe on the left. But so I'm going to say Brendan Aronson, Eunice Musa. And and uh, oh, that's that's just that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I I need to have no. It's gonna be I, I think uh, Kellen Acosta, Eunice Musa, Kellen Acosta, Luca De La Torre, sorry, and and Brendan Aronson. Uh, having a then, shocker, everybody. Well, Here I'm we just go. like, gosh, now we're now we're really exposed. Uh, but I don't want Tyler Adams to play in this one because again, I'm like, sort of, what's the point? Let's get him off on vacation, get a little rest, and then get a new club situation. And then up top, obviously, Haji Wright. I'm gonna go. Uh, Paul Ariola on the on the right and then on the left would have to be I guess I guess Christian Pulisic um with the caveat that again I could see Brendan Aronson maybe going to the left there and playing a little bit of this withdrawn back three like four stars yeah wait didn't they didn't they <laughs> I just think, wait, I think Brendan Aronson like three times <laughs> didn't didn't Brendan Aronson say that they were going to play like a back three or something like that um anyways I, just throwing that in there um 
but yeah, that's my lineup. I just gave a few a, a few little uh, dotted lines. Well, back starters, three would but... be interesting. Now my whole world's been rocked uh, thinking about a back three and what that would potentially look like. But I, I think more... it's I think it's a hybrid back three that they play, where it's like again, like we saw Reggie Cannon so the, was part okay. of the back three in the buildup, but they sort of defended in a four. No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so I got Horvath and goal. Charlie, get that smirk off your face. I dude. would say I, I I think I don't Bellinger, know how to do lineups. I don't know how to do lineups. Okay, you were all over the. <laughs> this is this is like this is it for my outside backs here. I got Bello and Scally, and I think it's gonna be. I mean, you have to. Hey, Wait, what, what about Charlie. the back three? Yeah. No, the back three. Scally's gonna have to sit in and be part of the back three yeah. as Bello gets forward or vice versa. I want if, if Eric Palmer Brown's healthy, I wouldn't mind seeing him with uh, with probably Zimmerman. But I could see Aaron Long getting his fourth consecutive start, and I only say that because Greg so Berhalter. Which is it, Jimmy? Which is it? Well, I'll, I'm going to say Long because Greg Berhalter got defensive because one of the questions to him recently was a criticism of Aaron Long and how the fans are reacting to him, and 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 Greg said something to the effect of that is insane that anybody would criticize Aaron Long. So so I'll leave that there as opposed to who his favorite player is on the whole team. But then uh, I agree with you on Adams and Pulisic and Wea and McKinney. I think those players need to rest. I could see Acosta sitting in that six again. Uh, De La Torre, I'd love to see Aronson in there. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Musa will start. I think Aronson will be on the left. Haji right up top. Maybe Areola. Maybe even Wea gets 45 minutes. And uh, that's my squad. So I, I agree with you. Uh, El Salvador does have some attacking threats. They got some players that I think will challenge us a little bit more than what we just saw. But it won't be as uh, difficult as we saw from from that 15, 20 minutes in the first half against Morocco and then for a good portion of the game against Uruguay where they're always a threat going forward. So it should be a good game for us tonight. We're going to have a lot to talk about, I'm sure, as we always do after the end of that. As a reminder, we will have a live recap podcast right after that game ends. So make sure you join us tomorrow night. Game kicks off at, was it, 7 p.m.? Pacific time. So Charlie's going to be in his pajamas again, doing the recap with us. He's in his pajamas now. That's true. He is. Look at his his Hawaiian pajamas. If you guys can see him. All right. We're going to take our first and only break. Our first and only break is coming up right now, but make sure you hit like, and subscribe and follow us on Twitter. ISWT pod. That would mean a lot. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step. The reason building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everyone, to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies and Hollywood Heath Pierce. And 
we just gave you a pretty comprehensive, let's say, preview of the U.S. Men's National Team and our last game of the June window, CONCACAF Nations League game against El Salvador in El Salvador. Again, that game is kicking off at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. We'll have a live recap for you to break it all down and obviously get your raw emotion after how we performed. Hopefully it's another 5-0 win like we just had over Granada. But let's talk about a playoff game. There's two that are still left. Peru versus Australia is kicking off today. But then we have Costa Rica versus New Zealand. The Kiwis taking on the Ticos. And I don't know. It's tough. I, I When I think about Group E, whoever comes through this, this game, Costa Rica, New Zealand, they're in a group with Spain, Germany, and Japan. So I feel like they might just be having a cup of coffee and getting out in the group stages anyway. But Heath, I'm going to come to you first. What we know about the Ticos is that they won four consecutive games to finish World Cup qualifying and pip Panama at the very end to get that fourth spot to get into the intercontinental playoff. And they did it behind not necessarily a lot of goal scoring, but some stout defending and most notably with one of the best goalkeepers in the world in Keeler Navas. He didn't play in the Nations League games that they had leading up to this one, but he's definitely playing and ready for this one against the Kiwis. Now, the Kiwis boast a player named Chris Wood who plays for Newcastle, 33 goals and 67 international matches for New Zealand. So you got two guys. I don't think they're going to cancel each other out. I think Keeler Navas probably means more to Costa Rica. Well, maybe not than Chris Wood means to New Zealand, but... That's going to be a matchup to watch. I just think that with Keeler Navas in goal, you always have a chance. The Ticos are trying to qualify for the third consecutive World Cup. How do you see this one playing out? And who do you like, Heath Pierce? Wow. That's a, this, is a, this is a really tough one. I think Costa Rica are a better team, for sure. Uh, the way that these playoffs are built, though, you just don't know who is going to come out of, of, of these ones. Costa Rica, on the if this game was back right when qualifying ended, uh, then I, I I would have gone with Costa Rica on the lean just because they had that momentum and that that uh, just mm -hmm. sort of uh, swing on their side. They, they were out of the World Cup qualifying campaign and then just went on this spectacular run. It wasn't like a new set of players came in or players stepped up. It's the same old guard that they've had continuing to get them results, which means they have the experience and know what it's like to manage this game. So I'm going to go with Costa Rica to win this one and go to the World Cup. And again, I think they'll be there for, for a cup of coffee just because they – this can only go for so for so long uh, with the players that they have at the international level, at the World Cup level. I think experience means something, but you also have to have the legs. You also have to have the ability to compete. And I'm not sure they can do that at a World Cup level, but I think Costa Rica win this one. Okay, so Charlie, just to give some more context about this Costa Rican team, I feel like a lot of the same players that helped them surprisingly win their group of death in the 2014 World Cup, which included Uruguay, Italy, and England, are still playing today. So... That is a, a bit of an issue that Brian Ruiz in particular, who probably be the captain of this one, he's 36 years old, 137 caps for the national team, scoring 28 goals during that time. And Celso Borjas is, uh, uh, Borges, excuse me, is also expected to play. Borges. He's super old. And, and I don't think Jimmy's pronounced the name correctly today, by the way. I don't know. I just Keeler, want to point that out. Keeler, you know? Keeler, Keeler Ronnie Keeler. Delia. <laughs> uh, Standard Liege. Uh, just, guys, I, I don't even know. I, mean, I was I was gonna bring it up I, after the show, but I just can't stop now. Chris, now Cristiano, Cristiano Pulisic, Pulisic, yeah, Cristiano uh, Pulisic. Uh, um, so so anyway, despite my gringo pronunciations of everybody's names, uh, who do you like in this one, Charlie? Because it seems like Costa Rica has been hanging on to some older players for a long time to see them through. But this yes. is most likely their last hurrah, and there's probably some urgency there for them to finally kind of end their national team careers on a high note. 
Vamos Los Ticos. I, <laughs> I am all about this team. Talk about a transformation from the first half of World Cup qualifying to finish. They were on a, a fire truck. I mean, they were on a storm. You talk about experience. Everybody had their place. They knew their, they have an identity. Sure, they lack a, a striker. They lack a, a goal scorer. But it's it's by com- committee. I mean, it literally is. We're going to defend. We're going to look mm-hmm. to counter, and we're going to be we're going to be super dangerous on set pieces. And they have Cecil Borges, um, but they also have Kaylor Navas, who who stands on his head uh, multiple times a game. Right. Francisco and Alvaro Saborio has recently turned forty now, so he's in forty. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't he doesn't get that much playing time. If any. I mean, Francisco Calvo, right? He plays differently with Costa Rica than he does in MLS. He plays for San Jose Earthquakes, but long time. I.e. he plays well for his country. He, and not he does so well play well for his country. Uh, and and Keisha Fuller is another player who I think does really well at the right back position. Brian Oviedo at the left back position. He played plays for Copenhagen, played for Everton. They have players who rise to the challenge. And then Brian Ruiz, he's 36 years old, but he comes in and he's like a super sub. He can play 45 minutes. It's usually like his, his benchmark loses his legs past 45 but joel campbell is is the difference maker for them in the attack so when you're talking about playing new zealand i like where i like their chances i I think they have a great defensive team but they also have players who can who can hurt you and and joel campbell is who they're gonna have to rely on yeah and he just scored uh against martinique in the nation's league prior to one of these games so he's in good form and, and when he's in good form they're definitely a different team Going forward now, kind of an overall question for both of you, Charlie, I'll throw it right back to you with CONCACAF potentially getting four teams in the World Cup. I mean, how important is it for this region, especially now before the expansion of the World Cup to 48 teams in 2026 to really kind of cement that, hey, we do have some national teams that that can play because it always even though Mm -hmm. with Costa Rica winning a very difficult World Cup group in 2014, it still feels like. We don't get the respect that we deserve that. Oh, it's easy to qualify from this region and blah, 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 blah. And that's a lot of I'm I'm, I'm being a Euro snob right now. But how do you how important would you, you think it would be for for CONCACAF to have a fourth team? It's huge. Our region is only growing. Major League Soccer has has really helped the rest of CONCACAF. So Costa Rica, if they win, I think they are going to be able to at least make some have a, a result or two that will surprise people because they are so good defensively in the world cup. It's all about your, your structure and, and tactically, do you know when to push forward and when to, when to drop it's, it's a world cup. Anything can happen. And we've mm-hmm. seen what Costa Rica did in 2014. They, they stunned everybody. I mean, Mexico also stunned people in 2018 beating Germany. So uh, Mexico as talented as they've been, they've been poor. But that can all change in six months. Right. You never know, right? And I think the same with this U.S. men's national team. We've been ultra critical of them. The main goal for them was just to qualify for the World Cup. But we've been ultra critical throughout. And rightfully so, considering 2018. But Greg Berhalter has taken, a, a, I mean, endless comments about his ability to, to run the, this team. But he's got the trophies. He's got them in the World Cup. And... I think they, they've continued to make progress. So I'm excited to see what they can achieve in, in the World Cup. And you have to like our chances considering we have a lot of depth. And if everyone can be playing, and that's a big if, if everyone is playing and fit heading into that World Cup, we have a group that we can we can really do some damage. 
Now, I, it's funny you bring up Tata Martino in Mexico. Well, you didn't bring up Tata, but I'm going to bring him up because there was a lot of clamoring for myself in, in, included. I raised my hand here and say that just the way that it took us a while to hire somebody when that spot was open. It took a year. What we had Dave Sarakin as the interim coach for a year before Greg Berhalter took over. He wanted to finish his time with Columbus Crew. We didn't didn't feel like we really opened up the the job to multiple people. Tata Martino said he was interested. Never gave him even gave, gave him an interview. And then he crushed it. Like in the first what 26, 27 games, he only lost twice with Mexico. I was like, we needed Tata Martino. But now it seems like everybody with Mexican national team that supports them wants Tata Martino out. Heath Pierce. So do you feel like maybe U.S. soccer, especially with the benefit of hindsight, made the right decision by sticking with Greg Berhalter and going with him? Or do you feel like maybe we'd have been this far along no matter who was there because of our players are so talented or maybe Tata Martina would have had us even farther down the road? That's a really good question. I think Greg Berhalter's done a great job of evolving, right? When you go back to the way he wanted to play, very Columbus Crew-like, spread out, methodical, possession-based, I think – He's now realized that that's a personnel-based system. You don't always have those players, and we've seen that evolution now uh, in the way that our center backs are because we don't have John Anthony Brooks, who's great on the ball. We have more serviceable center backs that are going to be defense first, decent at passing, but not great at passing through lines under pressure, things like that. Uh, and so I think he's evolved really well with this team in his own sort of growth curve as a manager. I think uh, we saw that the difference between that and what we saw with Jurgen Klinsmann was sort of by any means necessary, we're going to keep on doing this thing. But as we're getting closer to a World Cup, we're sort of weaning off of the dream of how we want to play and into more of a how we need to play. And I think moving forward, that will continue to develop. Now, whether or not uh, another manager could have could have done that or had us more advanced, I'm not really sure. It's really difficult to say. Greg Berhalter has gotten fantastic results for this national team over his over his tenure. Now, you may not like him. You may call it nepotism in the way that he was hired. And all these things, he, he may not give you the best interviews or get the drama that you want that you get out of he Mexico. He does bounce passes, though. He does bounce passes. And he wears uh, rare and he wears, kicks. Yeah, and he wears rare <laughs> kicks. But I think, he's done a, I think he's done a great job. And I can't imagine another manager coming in, immersing themselves in a way, and doing better. Now, maybe the same, but it's, it's hard to think about doing better. Now, we finished third in World Cup qualifying and things like that, that you can nitpick and say another manager could have handled those that storm better. But we qualified for a World Cup after a failure with a group of no experienced players. And he brought that group together that they seem like they're really willing to fight for each other. So I, I, I think, in hindsight, U.S. soccer has made the right decision. Yeah, it's hard to argue otherwise, given especially the, the turmoil that Mexico seems to be under. And, and it almost feels like they've regressed in some ways. They, they seem to have lacked, lacked more of an identity than they did when he previously took over. And I wonder what the deal is, and I'm sure more of that will come out. But again, we're all, they're only judged by World Cups. You're judged by what you do in World Cups. you got to qualify for them, and once you do, that's what people remember the most. All right, we're going to pivot very quickly because I want to talk about this Ronnie Delia. Did I say it right? Delia. Dyla. Dyla. Ronnie Dyla. Ronnie Dyla. Thank you for that, Charlie. We're going to talk about I him leaving you. NYCFC in the middle of the season. So that is interesting after winning MLS Cup with NYCFC. But... I want to let everybody know we're having a Paramount Plus gift card extravaganza giveaway today. So if you're a resident of the U.S., we're giving you the chance to win this $100 P-plus subscription that grants you access to one of the biggest catalogs of live and on-demand content known to mankind. Champions League, Europa League, Conference League, if you're into that. Serie A, Scottish Premiership, Brasileiro, NWSL. That's for all you football-loving fans out there. Then, of course, the NFL movies, series, South Park. That's your thing. Reminder, this only applies to U.S. residents. To enter, you have to follow ISWT Pod on the Twitter and drop your Twitter handle along with P Plus 
in the chat slash comments right now. For those not watching live, do it in the comments section later when this posts. And of course, our producer will pick out someone and a lucky winner. We're going to announce that after the recap of tomorrow's show after uh, El Salvador and the U.S. kick it off and get after it. So that will be when we'll announce the next winner. We appreciate your support. All right, so let's talk about this. And Charlie, I feel like you're ready to go on losing a manager halfway through the season and what this means, not only for the manager, but for the team overall. Do you think it was a good move for him to take off if he had that chance to go back to Europe? From what I understand, his family is still over in Europe. He just wanted to be closer mm -hmm. and back to family, which makes a lot of sense to me. Now, obviously, Belgium's a little bit closer than New York City. Well, one, he did a fantastic, incredible job with New York City FC. He, he won the MLS Cup. And he, he also cultivated such a, a talented roster. Uh, a, a lot of young players with a, a lot of potential. You know, Tati Casanos, I think he played a big role in developing him in terms of his maturity. You know, he, he when he came into the league, it was a lot of fighting and getting yellow cards, you know, pointless yellow cards as well. He was he was a little feisty. He, he was able to calm down and mature under Ronnie Dyla. And I don't blame Ronnie Dyla. You came, you saw, you conquered. A little bit of Slatan. You came from Europe, you came from Celtic, and you won MLS Cup. If you're a coach who has ambition, what what more do you want to achieve? Of course, you can win CONCACAF Champions League, but realistically, you won MLS Cup. You want to go back to Europe and get back in the limelight. And Standard Liège is a great club to go to. I mean, we, we know Gucci Agnier, we played there for, for a number of years, but they, they are constantly competing for the league championship, and they're typically playing in Europe. So it's a great move for him. And uh, you, you just wish him the best. And he, he did what he, he came to do. I mean, he did yeah. his job. They, 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 finished, they, they finished this season pretty in, in, a, in a weak place, I think mid-table, and we're out of that, that championship. But I think that's a great situation for him to be in. And again, the family thing is it's a real struggle. We saw Thierry Henry, same thing. Like, I can't get to my family during the pandemic. And it's still a stressful travel for family considering the, the period that we're in right now. And it makes, makes total sense. And on top of that, Charlie, he, he also – had them firing in the regular season consistently mm -hmm. uh, while he was while he was at the club, and I think LAFC get a lot of credit for their regular season form, considering they haven't converted that outside of uh, supporter shield into an MLS Cup. And NYCFC, I think, have been neck and neck with them as one and two over the last three years of of in terms of regular season wins or points in a regular season, and that's now led to the culmination of of an MLS Cup at a club that's notoriously hard and generally has. Uh, a lot of negative news about them because of the stadium that they play in, because of their part of the, the larger city football group and all that sort of stuff that to be able to do that with the team that he has, I think it's spectacular. And now to go for a new challenge, that's just the way it is. And, and honestly, it's not mid season. It's end of season for 99% of the world. So it's the right time to go and join a club. If you're leaving, uh, it just unfortunately means that you're, you're sort of bailing on, on the way our league works or major league soccer works in terms of its league structure. Now, Nick Cushing is going to take over. He is the, the interim, as it stands. He was coaching Manchester City women's team. He won six trophies with them, including the 2016 Super League title. He was named manager of the year of that league back in 2016 as well. Now, what's interesting about NYCFC is that when you look back at their now coaches, they started with Jason Christ, who's now the assistant with uh, Inter Miami under Phil Neville. Then they had Crystal Palace boss, right? Patrick Vieira, and now Galatasaray coach Dominic Torrent. Did I say that right? I don't probably didn't because I'm struggling today. Also, I just when I think of Ronnie Dyla, I had Tim Melia in my hand because we were talking about Tim Melia in Sporting Kansas City before we mm -hmm. came on. 
and it's the same letters, just in different orders. So I apologize to Ronnie Dyla and his family for for butchering that. I should have apologized to his family too. I, I did. That's I some did. real guilt. You're living with some real guilt right now. I did. I was feeling bad about it. I was feeling bad about it. I was just feeling bad about it. I should I should have known that, but I had Tim Melia. You should write a. You got to write a letter. I'm gonna write a strongly worded letter and with an apology. Like I feel terrible. I I take pride in being able to pronounce. Delete the tweet. You got you got a lot of making. I got. I got a lot to do. So anyway, NYCFC, uh, I think they're going to still continue to have a lot of success. Charlie, I know you follow them in the Eastern Conference of MLS quite closely. Now, when I look back at their playoff run last year, they beat Atlanta United in the first round. Then they beat the Supporter Shield winners, your New England Revolution, in penalties. And then they got it. They, they took advantage of Philadelphia Union having about 15 COVID cases and getting past them 2-1 before beating the Portland Timbers in penalties in the final some will say that was kind of lucky kind of fortuitous but you can only do with with what's in front of you do you feel like nycfc have a chance to repeat maybe make a deep run in the open cup or the campione's oh, yes, cup how, absolutely how are you feeling about uh yeah you think they have a chance to win more trophies this season no matter who the coach is yes they, they have depth uh, they, and as long as they have tati castellanos as well they they have a shot at winning uh go again repeating in mls cup but also uh, us open cup the question is if ronnie dial is going Will they sell? Does that, yeah, does that send like a well. does that send a message though? To like, hey, I'm out. Maybe the other players like Tati might be thinking, well, if our if the boss is gone, I, maybe maybe it's my time for me to leave as well. Because I know he was maybe pushing to get out as well. But if yes. by, by the way, if you're if you're leaving the club and you're a manager and you're from Europe, you're trying to go back to Europe. It's the only time to leave unless you're going in the middle of a, a, a crap storm of a situation where they fire and you got to jump in right away. There's no other real time to go back to Europe and get a job. Uh, than the summer transfer window, you know, like it, it's just circumstance. I don't think that leads into the team, especially when it's family, family based. It's not yeah, like he's yeah, jumping true, ship. True. Yeah. So you so. think they got a chance then you think it's hard to repeat as MLS cup champion though. Very hard, but they definitely have a chance. All right. Think about the, the rest of the league. There's not one team that's out there saying, Hey, we're the best Seattle. They're loaded to they're typically always going to be competing for the Western Conference title. But in terms of the Eastern Conference, it's wide open. New York City FC are still the team. If them and Philadelphia Union are are the clear front runners for the Eastern Conference championship. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And uh, I look forward to continuing to see how the, the league plays out this upcoming season. All right, everybody, before we let you go, I want to let you know that our sister podcast in the CBS Sports Podcast Network the U.S. Women's National Team Hour, presented by everybody that does the attacking third. They're going live today, 12 p.m. Eastern. No, excuse me, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you go over there and support them. The, the, the roster just dropped for the U.S. Women's National Team in the upcoming tournament. So that will have a lot to get into. I'm excited to tune in and listen as well. So make sure you give us some support over there to uh, our really talented ladies that are running that show. And that is it for us today. And Soccer We Trust is done because... We're just really eager to get to the game tomorrow against El Salvador. We're also very eager to see how Costa Rica does against New Zealand and Peru versus Australia today. A lot to unpack. We're going to have all the teams finalized in the World Cup, all of them out and done after tomorrow. So that should be very, very cool. And then, of course, for later shows this week, the host cities for 2026 are going to be dropped. We'll have a special podcast for you guys with regard to that. All right, we're done. Final thoughts. Heath Pierce coming to you first. No, I just appreciate you sending out that 
apology to everybody. And if you and could to just, his family, if you could just CC Charlie and I on those apologies <laughs> yeah. to him and his family. I am. I'm going to write an email. NYCFC standard liege. Uh, to, I, to Ronnie, sorry, his I pronounced his, his last name like Tamelia's. <laughs> I said Ronnie Delia. I, I think it would be great if you did that just like of a self-importance thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I made a mistake on a show and a lot of you are going to be upset about this when like, you know, it's just the three of us and then the people listening. <laughs> but like to make a big meal of it, I think that would be kind of fun. A Tamelia of it. Yes. <laughs> Anything from you, uh, Charlie? Uh, no, but we have dinner at Hogwarts, so I, I have to. Uh, <laughs> He's got to go. He's got to go. Harry's calling me over there. Yeah, Natalie says, I'm sorry, Jimmy. I can see your lips moving, but Charlie's chandeliers have my undivided attention. <laughs> if you guys are just listening to this, you got to get over to the YouTube channel and take a look because Charlie does have really something special every time he comes on the show. All right, that's it. We're done. So on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie Davies, and Heath Pierce, I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening and watching In Soccer We Trust. And we will see you tomorrow after the El Salvador game. Later. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.